0: This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net. Danger Entertainment Podcast Network.
1: Hey, everybody. This is Heno.
2: And this is Stephanie.
1: And we're from the Gotham Lights Podcast.
2: Also, the Orville Lights Podcast, sometimes.
1: They are two podcasts dedicated to the television show Gotham
2: and the Orville.
1: Now, where can they reach us,
2: Steph? I'm so glad you asked, Heno. You can find us on Twitter at Gotham Lights. You can also find us on Facebook, don't you know? Don't you know? Just by searching <laughs> Gotham Lights. Gotham Lights Podcast at gmail.com.
1: You're listening to a Weebie Geeks Network podcast
2: microphones and headphones provided by cad audio cad audio expression through innovation produced with podcasting gear from tascam including
3: the tascam mini studio trust your audio to tascam sound thinking
0: back from the thanksgiving break uh it is your smugglers three derek ken and myself mike and um i don't know what we did wrong but we have a bounty hunter here with us um you may know him from the background in the mandalorian it is gecko himself dominic pace how's everyone doing
2: how are you man thank you so much for having me man happy to be here
0: oh it's our pleasure so hopefully, this is where smugglers and bounty hunters could be on the same side instead of opposing each other.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's the one thing with the bounty hunters is that there's a lot of good in them too. You know, uh, you know what people don't realize—they're going to catch the bad guys too. I know Solo and obviously little baby Yoda or whatever you want to call him is uh, are angelic, but uh, they're also there to, to keep the peace amongst the galaxy as well. There.
0: That's uh, right. I think one of the things I like about the Mandalorian is that it definitely has that um, good, the bad, and the ugly meets uh the rifleman meets gun smoke type vibe to
2: it absolutely so, absolutely i mean I, you know it's almost nick nolte's character there the Ugnaut, or uh, whatever the species of the Ugnot. i guess that's what it is it kind of almost has a little resemblance to uh, uh to eli wallach there i mean if you look at the eyes closely it, it's like it feels like it's a uh, little sidekick there uh, like uh, like eli wallach
0: yeah and you have spoken
2: yes like, i have spoken <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: so how did you get involved in uh the mandalorian project
2: you know, I, I've been a blue-collar actor for 25 years. If you look me up on IMDb, I have uh, credits, uh, you know, ranging from small co-stars to guest stars to lead roles. Um, I take everything. Uh, this is a blue-collar job for the 99% of us. It happened to be a simple makeup test, and what they didn't know was that I was a lifelong fan, uh, very passionate about the series ever since I was five years old. Um, there's a group, uh, there's a company called Legacy Effects. It's one of the top prosthetic companies in Hollywood. They've been uh, one of the top for over 20, 30 years there at this point now. Uh, they deal a lot with marketing uh, Marvel, Star Wars. I mean, every major sci-fi fantasy film, they usually have their hand in it one way or another. Happened to be a gentleman uh, by the name of Brian Seip, who was heading up Drax, the character Drax, Dave Bautista, over at Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, he was doing his prosthetics there for almost every film. And we just hit it off. Uh, I had previous prosthetic experience with, um, I was doubling on Frankenstein and Van Helsing. I also was in um, a bright with Will Smith. I was one of the orcs. And then I also played a Kree guard, as well as another uh, supporting character, a little featured character on A of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, We just hit it off. And uh, I had no idea what the project was. There was no guarantee of work after that day. Um, but I get a phone call two weeks later from a secret code name project called Huckleberry. And it wasn't until I was uh, whisked away into the wardrobe room. Uh, I was met by a gentleman by the name of Richard A. Poro, Stephen Poro uh, is his other uh, professional name. And it wasn't until then that I saw my name on a, a clothes rack. It said, Dominic Pace, Bounty Hunter. And that's when my hands as a Star Wars fan, a lifelong fan, began to shake a little bit. And I, 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 my heart was pounding. And I was trying to keep my composure because for the other actors, it was just another day of work. You know, we're featured side characters there, but for me, uh, I'm sure every Star Wars fan can relate. It was, it was, this was not an acting accolade, but it was more of a childhood dream come true. And the whole reason I wanted to get involved in this industry was because of people like Lucas and Spielberg and Richard Donner and Joe Dante, uh, people that we grew up with, Robert Zemeckis, those directors, James Cameron, when I was a kid. Um, so it meant so much to me, even though, you know, we had probably less than a minute screen time, but so did the original bounty hunters, um, It meant so much to me to be on that set for about eight days. And it was just such a privilege to be my own unique, one-of-a-kind bounty hunter, uh, nicknamed nicknamed Gecko there.
0: So how did Gecko get his name? Or how did y'all come up with the name Gecko?
2: There was a um, a Greenpeace charity event that Brian did two years prior, and he had pictures of this model that he did on the wall, and basically more or less that was it. It was basically a uh, it was a model from two weeks prior, which is what he based the makeup after. When I did the screen test, the original screen test, it still had the bumps on its head, and I had a couple of the bounty hunters snickering, <laughs> the fellow bounty hunter snickering there when I was uh, uh, when I was doing the screen test with Filoni and Favreau and Deborah Chow. Was there, and they said, dude, they said, not for nothing, they said, it kind of looks a little bit like breasts on your head. <laughs> so, uh, I went to Brian, I said, Brian, if I don't mind, I said, as long as it's not anything that's mandatory, and everybody's hell-bent on this, I said, if you can give it kind of horns, I said, I'm six foot four, um, it would be pretty badass if you gave this thing horns, and still, like I said, just the, the nickname, the informal nickname, Gecko, kind of existed uh, amongst this uh, amongst the, the makeup artists and, uh, and, and, the, and the staff there.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, actually, I had an interesting question for you. Because um, you worked episode one, which yeah. was Dave Filoni's first time ever directing live action. What was yeah. it like
2: working on the set with him? And what, how did how comfortable was he directing live action with you guys? You know, he was as cool as the other side of the pillow. I mean, you know, again, I, I was you know I'm not one of the stars of this this project, of course, but I mean, just feeling the demeanor between Favreau, Filoni, as well as Deborah Chow was really uh, more simple than any. I mean, it was just so peaceful uh, from from start to finish. The entire eight days was so smooth. It was it was second to none. Um, you know, you go back to the old days of James Cameron or Michael Bay, where there's a lot of shouting and screaming on, on uh, all over the place. Uh, but ultimately, uh, it was just a very, very peaceful and professional experience uh, from start to finish there. Awesome. Yeah.
3: So um, did they let you add anything to his backstory or was that already predetermined?
2: No, only the situation. I mean, you know, there's obviously a lot of fans that are coming up with fan fiction, but it's only just fiction. Uh, just the fact that I was flanking Carl uh, to be Considered maybe one of the high ranks, uh, the fact that I'm right next to Carl Weathers. Um, but other than that, more or less, it was just giving us the situation. They allowed us, they allowed us to play a little bit in the cantina. You see me in the backdrop in the first episode uh, in terms of just kind of negotiating with, with other characters. But more or less, I mean, we were just there as, as props, you know. And for me, what made it very special, of course, was to be one of a kind and to be part of that Bounty Hunters Guild there.
0: Have you, have you heard, since there's been other characters who have only made a one episode appearance have you heard any chance of action figures
2: Uh, I am praying. I'm really praying. Um, I I, I did a really, as peaceful as I can and as respectful as I could with Disney, with the podcast and with the illustrators, I did the most elegant um, rollout of this character as I could. And part of that movement was in the hopes that we might get noticed by Black Series by a 3.75. I can't tell you how grateful I am for the Star Wars fan base. Some have reached out and have already created uh, uh, old vintage figures of my character. They've created a Black Series book. Yeah, which I'm to the Peter Mayu uh, Foundation uh, this weekend. Uh, it's a one-of-a-kind uh, character that they're going to hopefully put towards one of their good causes. Um, but I've I made it to a, a tops card. Just that my the back. I was featured in in uh, a tops card. I have my agents that are talking to them in regards to nailing that screenshot when I have this standoff with the Mandalorian. Um, if you split the screen in half, it basically is me and Carl and the Mandalorian kind of face to face. And that's something that I would love, to, even if it's just a tops card. But uh, you got to believe. I, I mean, gentlemen, I mean, you know, we have Prune Face and Yak Face and Blue Snaggletooth. Uh, you know, if there's any franchise where I have this opportunity, uh, I, it's got to be Star Wars. And I'm hopeful oh, that okay. maybe it might not be the third or the fourth series, but maybe the fifth or the sixth, when people are doing dioramas. Brian put two hours of work into me every morning, and it's such a unique look. I mean, if you look at some of the other Bounty Hunter characters, and even in episode four, I didn't really feel like any of those uh, imps or what have you were very memorable. But the amount of work they put into this Bounty Hunter, I think, is pretty detailed, hopefully enough. To to warrant uh, an action figure, and to me that would just be the icing on the cake. Again, this is not an acting accolade, but just the fact I think that every Star Wars fan can relate to be part of the universe within your one of a kind. You know, to be a one of a kind. So much to the point, I don't even have any tattoos. I'm discussing, I'm talking with a tattoo artist to get get this character on my shoulder within a couple of weeks. But you you have to, and I hope you you gentlemen can appreciate how special this was. Even just that in and of itself, as a blue collar character actor, this was just beyond words.
0: Oh yeah. Well, before I even. Knew that you were playing Gecko. Mm -hmm. I loved that character anyway when I saw it on screen. I'm like, and and it's one of those, you know, as you say, you're you're almost the right hand man to Carl Weathers in many ways. The way the way they position you, yeah. there's, There's no reason why not to make that figure to be that right hand man for people to, to play with and I say people because it's not going to be just kids it'll be adults too.
2: That that would be absolute heaven and and you know again I, I've been I got to tell you gentlemen you know I, this has not been an easy career I mean I have over 100 television appearances and all different levels uh, guest stars and co-stars uh, but it's been such a grind and for me you know the whole reason I wanted to get in, involved in this business was because of the innocence of childhood and part of that innocence was those action figures that we had when we were kids we used our imagination we were with our friends we were with our family we were with our grandparents so for me I I can't tell you how sentimental that would be if if that opportunity was able to you know was able to come up. Unfortunately, just like the most of the 99%ers, I'm not part of that CAA crowd or the Disney, you know, executives or the Endeavor or the William Morris agency to where they make those decisions. It's all just has to be organic. Right. All I've done is just kind of represented Star Wars in a good light. I've been involved in oh god, countless charities after this interview I'm heading to uh donate a few autographs to a, a young girl who has started up a homeless outreach for the past 5 years to the Los Angeles homeless, um, and uh, I'm donating a five autographs plus uh, some merchandise that I, I'm, I've i been uh, 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 getting ready for some of the Comic-Cons. Uh, and and again, I mean, it's just, uh, it would just be an absolute honor. Some fan fiction uh, has talked about, perhaps because the Kenobi series takes place before this, uh, perhaps being part of that Bounty Hunters Guild, if they happen to lead the story of the bount- a Bounty Hunter Guild that goes out to chase Luke, I think that would be very, uh, you know, have a lot of legitimacy to it, uh, but to be part oh. of that team, uh, perhaps uh, yeah. that would be really interesting to give him a little bit more of a backstory but again respectfully this is all fiction um and again i mean just if anything it's just that little bit of screen time as a one-of-a-kind character which again meant so much to me as, as a small-time actor
0: i don't see why it couldn't happen i mean if two pipes was part of Infra's ness crew before she goes and before he goes and joins Sagarera's crew yeah there's no reason why uh, you and a few others couldn't go well back in time in the Kenobi series.
2: Absolutely. You know, I talked to Brian, uh, that battle scene played out. They edited it in a way to where I was not seen being killed also. So, I mean, I know, I believe they're about, oh God, I want to say maybe 60% through, maybe 75% through the second season. Um, but hopefully, you know, even have a chance of moving on, you know, moving forward. But at the same time, you know, it's one of those things, it's almost like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory to where he won the whole factory by just saying how content he was. And I, I think of him often or I think of that storyline often in that as much as I want to continue It's like if I were to give you a million dollars tomorrow and you were to have that thought the next day of saying, hey, oh God, I hope I can get another million. That's kind of where the mindset is and just in terms of being grateful. And if anything, if there's another Star Wars fan that has this opportunity, it would mean more to me to have somebody be gifted this opportunity than for me to continue on. Because again, just this one chance in a lifetime was just more than I could have ever asked for. I gave up hope years ago because it was filmed in Australia, England, Africa, Europe, uh, you know, uh, Lago di Como in in my home uh, country there. Uh, You know, it it just was not something that was going to be in the States at all to be in the universe. So just this alone is is really more than I could have ever asked for.
0: I I totally understand your feeling. I mean, I work most of our listeners know I work for Walt Disney World. So right now is killing me that we're blacked out. As cast members from getting into Hollywood studios, because mm. if I have nothing to do around the house, I have no problems grabbing a couple bottles of water, going to Batu, finding a park bench, and just sitting there and people watch. Yeah. To me, uh, I used to do that with Animal Kingdom when it first opened. And yeah. It was very relaxing. Well, Star Wars is my escape, and that yeah. I can actually live my escape.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's done done such wonders for people all across the world. It really has touched people in ways that no other franchise has. I mean, of course, you know, that's no knock to Marvel or or DC, but there's just something beautiful in terms of the family lineage, uh, specifically relationships between father and son, also brother and brother, which I was very connected to in terms of uh, uh, episode three. Um, And now, you know, just continuing on with seven, eight, and nine in many ways. Uh, You know, this is something that's not only science fiction, but also crosses the boundaries of family and light and good and, and darkness. Um, There's a lot of things, you know, just came up recently in regards to Darth Vader in many ways, being a protagonist. Uh, Not because of his, you know, his evil doings, but because so many of us can relate to the hardships of life, which sometimes make us dark, which kind of give us this sort of uh, social mask in many ways because of the ways that we've been hurt in life and the ways that Vader and Anakin just wanted to love, just wanted to be good. There's so much more depth to that than just the lightsaber and the blaster. And that's, to me, what has made Star Wars so beautiful. I grew up without a dad. So it was kind of that conflict between father and son, which again, just kind of translates into real life, which I think makes a series so powerful. And I always say, you know, in terms of uh, recommendations for sci-fi, if, if something that gives it quality is not the eye candy. You know, we've seen a lot of great special effects movies, but it's when they're able to connect to families. Spielberg is a genius in doing that, where he connects a lot between uh, children and, and grown-ups, and, and for the, through the eyes of children, uh, which kind of really, you know, it pulls on every heartstring, not to mention the magic of John Williams and so many different ways right. uh, his music is yeah. more powerful than anyone
0: so uh i know you've been to galaxy's edge there in california
2: no no we're wait. we were waiting for this opportunity uh it's only been two weeks Uh, we were waiting to uh, celebrate so uh, I'm actually going to be going in January with my family to to finally exhale I I didn't know how because again I'm not a star I wasn't a star of the show I I was holding my breath uh, not only for a year but also uh, two weeks moving up to the the first episode and the third episode it wasn't until at least I saw a glimpse of myself in the trailer I didn't even know if I was going to make the cut you just never know so uh, we were waiting for Galaxy's Edge to celebrate and now we have a reason to so we're going to enjoy it in January there
0: okay well there. Goes my question because okay. I was going to say you, you essentially lived it on set yeah. and, and you were on in, you know, and now you're in Star Wars. Yeah, I was going to ask the comparison what's it like being on set, living in the universe, to going to Galaxy's Edge, but you're not there yet, so I can't ask.
2: Yeah, I, I will. I will add a very magical moment that I had, and I wish every Star Wars fan could have gone inside my head and my body and my eyes. There was one point to where I was in the cantina, and my first playset was the cantina playset when I was five years old. And there was <laughs> one point where there were two, three cameras to my back, and I'm interacting. Uh, I was passing Mando. It's when uh, him and Carl are at the table, they're talking about the pucks, etc. And I pass Mando. You can see me in the shot, and then I go over to talk to a few cantina characters there. And I, some of it's kind of caught, and some of it's not. But I just wish that I could have uh, had every Star Wars fan in my body there for a second because it really truly felt uh, like I was in the universe completely embedded because you have these really uh, well-established looking characters plus you have the cantina plus my back is away from all the crew and it was really a special feeling for me as a Star Wars fan.
3: So one of the things that I love about Star Wars is it's a whole universe and there's all kinds of, of smaller characters like your character and other characters like that. Yes. So uh, I also love the um, the the blue collar actors, as you call it, um, the the actors that aren't the big stars, but that fill in the, the world around the big stars and everything. Yes. Uh, so so what what would you say was was the moment where you actually said to yourself, "Holy moly, I'm actually in Star Wars now."
2: Uh, I think when I, when I was flanking Carl Weathers, uh, I felt the camera hot on me. I've been out uh, in the business for you know over 20 years and uh, you know without looking at the camera I could feel it and that was when I knew that there would be at least a couple of great screenshots you can see it on my Twitter or Facebook you know I, I was able to grab you know the essential shots there uh, but that really was the moment and there was something about Carl's voice and in, in terms of the situation and'll I'll go into that in regards to the baby in a minute um, but it, that in it of itself the intensity of the standoff was really intense and uh, I mean, it was just an amazing feeling. And, and at that point, everybody, all the crew moved away from the set. So you really felt the entire village there. The spaceship, of course, was not behind us. That was a CGI image. But uh, you really felt the intensity as you were surrounded. And Boba Fett was actually one of my favorite characters. So to be able to stand, stand down a Boba Fett-like character in character, <laughs> really something very special. I, I wanted to just tell you a story. And I, I, I mentioned on just a few podcasts, but we had no idea that the, the baby was going to be a young. Like species at all. We Uh, what I thought was that for seven, eight, nine, this was going to be special because I thought personally that maybe we weren't told about Ray's parents. We weren't told about Ray's history. I thought uh, it was either going to (laughs) be. I was leaning towards we were at a standoff for Ray or Poe or Finn. That's who I thought the baby was. But we had no inclination whatsoever. And 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 applause to John Favreau and filoni for keeping it secret because that would have leaked one way or another. I was not it, but somebody on the crew, I mean, somebody would have talked about it. And with all the hypersensitivity of episode eight, I think that would have really gone south just due to the fact that if you heard about the, the baby before you saw it, I don't know if it would have been as well received, because I think you have a lot of hypersensitivity amongst, oh boy, maybe let's say 30-40% of the of the fan base right now due to episode eight. Again, I, I'm neutral on the issue, but I, I just mean let's let's call a spade a spade, you know? So I think the way that Favreau played that out, even to delaying and causing them a merchandise issue with uh, Yoda for the holidays, I thought was a very smart idea.
1: That was actually going to be my next questions, was how was it, how hard was it to keep that a secret? But So for when you guys were on set with that baby, was it just a
2: bundle of blankets, basically? Uh, that's correct. With the Elite, with Werner, I'm sure that it was a different story, although I was there uh, even during the screen test with Werner scene, I did not see anything, um, but that doesn't mean that when they had closed doors and extreme closed set, like you do a love scene, uh, that, that they didn't uh, put that baby in. Um, okay. No. The only thing that it was hard for me. <laughs> Uh, was it was really not being able to publicize anything. I mean, I even pushed the envelope a little bit with a podcast one month prior. And again, I didn't mention anything about the character, the scene, any of that. But it was just so hard. And I think every Star Wars fan would be able to relate to contain my excitement uh, of a dream. You know, I'm mm. a generated connector, I'm sure like you gentlemen, uh, this is something that would, it was so hard to keep to myself. <laughs> I did a game show last year as well where I won $50,000. And even that was tough because they didn't want me saying anything. But God forbid I would have gotten a letter saying, hey, you know, you're void of the uh, the, the prize because you, you spoke. So, yeah, there was a lot of NDA agreements, but I honored them in the most classy way. I didn't give away any storylines. I just obviously was like a five-year-old kid in terms of being as giddy as anything here. I,
0: I, I totally understand that aspect because these guys will tell you. I, I came before, about two years ago, uh, right before Rogue One came out. I told these guys, like, guys, there's something big coming to Disney, and I can't say anything. Yes. And and these guys were ready to kill me. And it's when we took spaceship earth at Epcot and converted it to the death star. Wow! a robot. (laughs) Oh man. Man. Um, Once I I, I was told by someone at work, he goes, you can't say anything. Yeah, that's fine. Well, it came out on the internet the Friday before it was happening on Monday. I came into work. I'm like, dude i didn't say he goes yeah we already know disney parks blog leaked it and everyone we've been keeping this secret for seven and a half weeks we're ready to kill them because they they dropped the ball like yeah okay so we can talk about it now so the first thing i did is i called these two and i said here's what's happening (laughs)
2: Yeah, I had a I had a friend of mine who actually was building the X wings for Galaxy's Edge out here, and he wanted to invite me and my two sons. about an hour east uh, inland uh, of Los Angeles. But here's the the problem was it was so anticlimactic. I didn't want to go because we weren't even allowed to take any pictures. So it's like it's like it's hard. You know, it's like seeing paradise, but you can't you can't uh, take any photos. You know, I mean, how would you not want to pay, take a picture in front of a life size X wing? You know, so I told him, I said, yep. you know what, I'll wait for Galaxy's Edge just because uh, you know this is this is gonna be the most painful thing ever you
0: know yeah i i will tell you the x-wing's cool but the a-wing and the falcon are so much better <laughs>
2: Oh, I cannot wait. I always say, you know, we all have that one. When we buy that lotto ticket, we always have that one thought of what we're going to buy first. And I always say, you know, along with the mansion, I want to get this whole man cave, Millennium Falcon in the backyard to yeah. where you know, I can open up for, for kids causes on the on the Sundays or Saturdays, but also just have the whole hull of the ship to the hub there or whatever. Uh, uh, have it help be a whole man cave, but a whole life size uh, Falcon. If I ever hit the big lottery there. I, that's, that's, a,
0: talking. that's a great idea. I haven't thought about that.
2: Absolutely. I mean it's such a great place for a man cave you know you got the whole setup but you know you get your big flat screen uh, TV you watch your Saturday football your your NFL football on Sundays. I think it would just be prices have your refrigerator you got your beer all lined up uh, it would be uh, just heavenly there.
0: See I, I haven't thought about the Falcon. My other thought was a downed at at.
2: Oh
0: and I could use part of it as my studio for podcasting and the rest for game, you know man cave stuff.
2: Oh wow, that's pretty. That's that's pretty awesome. Yes, yes. That was my thought. I think yeah, there was one dad who I think. I mean, he built a small one in uh in the backyard there. I I forget where it was in the country, but it's definitely in the states. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, that's that's my first thought there. With uh, if we ever hit the big one there. Yeah.
3: So uh, mine was I, I. always wanted to build uh, Darth Vader's chamber ooh. from. The- from the this destroyer yep. yeah. from Empire, I don't know why. Just <laughs> well, yeah, you, yeah. You,
0: you can do the curved LED walls in the upper part with no problem now, and just have your personal seat.
2: Yeah, speaking A- of which, that's really what added to the technology of uh, Mandalorian. They had the LED screen, and it just was—I've I, I, never seen anything like it. I can't wait to watch these next four episodes just because— Oh, I
0: can't that, wait.
2: That technology now—my vision is perfect. Uh, I'm 44 years old, but my vision is perfect. That was about 20 feet away. If you go back to that Werner Herzog lair, you know, his office, yeah. that backdrop is actually— even the wall on top is all part of the two-dimensional screen. And you cannot even tell when you're watching that shit. When you watch really? that, when you're like, oh, that's got to be out in the desert, man. They filmed it out in the desert. Thing, no. You look at it again and really try to look. That's a whole screen, even the top where the wall kind of comes in. That whole thing is all two-dimensional, but you can't even tell. But what makes this really special is when they go into space. If they can put, they're going to put an X-wing in there. They can put whatever spaceship they want and be able to shoot around the ship, like say a battle scene. That's going to look gorgeous. And I'm sure at one time or another, whether it's this project or Kenobi, uh, they're going to take full advantage of that technology now. Oh yeah, so
0: awesome. That was, so that was a Green screen. That was a full LED wall.
2: I can't. You can't. I like literally when I walked in, I thought I was walking into a set that maybe was like a Star Destroyer or a Death Star because it had all these squares, Uh, you know, and it had these lights, you know. And I just said, "Oh wow, it's probably just old school flickering lights from a spaceship or something." I come around. They can curve that thing all the way around if they want to, yeah. Um, and they can put any image they want. And I, I'm, a, I think even you know the scenes with uh, Nick Nolte and and Pedro as well in the desert, all of that too. You change the lighting plus that LED screen. The only thing that's really kind of sad about this whole thing is less and less there's, there's going to be movie locations. I mean, it's just, you know, in Florida, you've got <laughs> the legendary ones. You've got, uh, you know, uh, Edward Scissorhands. You've got Caddyshack. You know, I mean, uh, you've know, got you know Ace Ventura, Miami Vice. I mean, so many great t- locations to why you need to go to a certain stage. This is going to be kind of sad now because literally, I think they used only th- three stages for this entire show, but you just would never know because this technology is beyond words.
1: Yeah. Well, the cool thing about that is um,
2: with the green screen. I don't care
1: how good it's gotten, you still get that little bit of a halo around someone if they're in front of a green screen. And the digital's added later. Yeah, You want with this? It already has the image there. You don't have to worry about any of that. There's nothing to replace.
2: Yes, and not only that, it's ten degrees cooler for the actor. Uh, a lot of times with green screen, they have to enhance the light, which I know for me, and my bald head, that it's always not. That's not a fun thing because you're yeah. hot. You know, you're shining to begin with. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just you know god forbid you have any bit of oil you're screwed um but uh it's it, uh it's gonna be better for the actors too because just like you and McGregor had that issue for the prequels uh, now they obviously have something to work off of and understand where they are right
0: and and, and what Dominic means by that is to light the green screens they're usually 5 k or 10 k lamps hmm. and we're not talking i mean we' you know most of your table lamps are 60 watt lamps most of your lamps in in a theater when you go see a a stage show max maybe 750 watt lamps in each instrument. We're talking a 5,000 watt or 10,000 watt lamp to light a green screen. You could cook an egg in front of it with no problem. I mean, they're they're warm even at 30 even hung 35 feet above you. They're warm.
2: Yeah. And then you combine that, you know, my other two outfits. I mean, thankfully Brian pulled me aside and gave me the prosthetic. But even with the prosthetic, Star Wars outfits, I mean, they're they're no fun. You're looking at two to three layers <laughs> to begin with. So it, it's, I mean, granted, you know, it was nice and cool in that that stage for the most part. But you know, when you're pulling some action too, I mean, you know, we're doing that whole action scene. Boy, man, you're you're sweating bullets there as well.
0: <laughs> Imagine. Uh, I want to hit this um, question we got f- from Twitter. It's from our <laughs> our pals over at the Holocronicles Chronicles podcast who we had on last show yeah um do your boys think dad is a lot cooler now that he's in a star wars show
2: yeah, <laughs> there was a very beautiful moment that I had. I'd love to share with you, gentlemen, uh, and, and your listeners, about three weeks ago, and I, I got a little emotional from it because you know I did I do ton of crime dramas, you know, and it just I mean the kids, I mean even though you know I've been on some really hot number one shows over the course of my career with guest stars and, and co stars and such. Uh, my son is a diehard Los Angeles Dodger fan, and his favorite player is Cody Bellinger. And uh, he went to school, you know, of course the kids can't bring the the phone to school, and uh, one day you know I'm coming across and. You you know i have all these amazing illustrators doing work of my character and really bringing it to the next level and uh he changed out his wallpaper to uh my character uh from star wars and that meant a lot to me
1: oh wow
2: <laughs> now, did you
1: tell when you were filming this and before it actually ever came out did your kids know that you were in it
2: yeah or did you- it had a secret, I- so they have to keep it a secret yeah the thing with la it's really strange yeah <laughs> Uh, I don't mean to say that kids just, you know, it's like saying you take your Florida, right? So you've got maybe every high school, you've got an NFL player out of that program, right? So if I say, if you're, you know, you told me that, you know, this guy, this guy's mom is, you know, the son of a uh, NFL player. For me, I'd be starstruck. That would really impress me. Um, but in, I would imagine in Florida and Georgia and in Texas and Alabama, Mississippi, that's kind of the norm that your next door neighbor or somebody you went to school with uh, went up the ranks to the NFL program, right. you know? So the same with Hollywood (laughs) Hollywood, and it frustrates me because I think I've had a very solid career, Um, but in Hollywood it's the same thing to where they don't really get starstruck even with, say, you'll be at a party and there'll be Jack Black there or there'll be Will Ferrell. Um, you know, and it's it's really just kind of like, oh, hey, yeah, this is my friend Will, you know. So it's, it's kind of a weird dynamic to even if I told, you know, you told the classmate, it's not as special as if they were in the Midwest where people would really be like, no way, your dad's in Star Wars. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, favorite moment on set.
2: Day one day one was very special for me um I uh, go into the walk into the cantina I was one of the last ones to go in because again my work my makeup took a long time um they, they forgot my mask and I did not want to even though as much as you know I think each star wars fan would have a different choice with this but for me I didn't want to be selfish and make it about me i thought that the character um was it, it was essential to have the face mask to this character and they were they misplaced the mask it was up in the wardrobe room and I said I, I don't want to go until you have the mask because this to me really makes this character. I, in My face, as much as, you know, there I am, it, it wasn't going to really, to me, explain a bounty hunter. For me, I, I like all the gadgets, and I think it has more of a makings of an action figure and, and more of an imposing character with that. So I was late to get the set. I was one of the last bounty hunters there. Uh, two moments, if you don't mind, two that were priceless. And again, I think every Star Wars fan would, would appreciate. Uh, there was a table full of blasters where the prop master allowed me to choose my own bounty hunter blaster, and that, to me, was very special. Uh, I think every fan would love that opportunity uh, whether it's a blaster or a yes. lightsaber, of what, you know, blaster would suit you. Uh, of course, being six foot four, two 260 pounds, I picked the biggest one, even though it was heavy as anything. I picked the biggest <laughs> one. As a, oh, boy, it must have been about three feet long with a, a paintball canister in the back. And then there was another moment, and again, you have to understand, your listeners have to understand, you, you can't, you'll get thrown off set if you're not, I mean, I've been on set with Denzel Washington twice. One for the siege and one for uh, Roman uh, Israel, I think what's the name of it. It's a lawyer movie. Um, you have to respect the... A-list talent, and you have to respect the A-list producers, but I walk on set into the cantina, and nobody was really, I mean everybody was getting situated on one other side, but for whatever reason, I come into one other side door, and just leaning up against the bar is George Lucas with John Favreau, And and they're sitting there talking about, and I'm not a book guy in terms of Star Wars, um, they're sitting there talking about the detail of the Mandalorians, which I was just like blown away just from hearing what they were talking about, because I really was not familiar with the depth of the Mandalorian history, Um, but But just to see Lucas there, not only in his own element, you you basically have, I I always say you can count on one hand how many gods of Hollywood can have that level of budget with their own creation. Maybe J.K. Rowling, James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, and maybe one more. Um, Walt Disney, of course, when he was alive. Right. But to see him, God himself, within his own element. And to be there as one of his own people, you know, was really something very special for me. So those were the two moments in particular that I will never forget, and I, I will always cherish them. Yeah,
3: awesome. awesome. I well, a, a blind. <laughs> What was that, Derek? So that just blows my mind completely.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was a special moment. Uh, and again, like I said, I and mean, just in case any of your listeners or anyone, and I'm sure you gentlemen have been around, you know, certain situations, even with a, a corporate CEO, you know, I mean, Bob Iger is over at Disney World. You know, you, you can't just say, oh, let me go up to him and, and go shoot the breeze, you know? So you have to re- you have to respect that. But just being amongst the energy and just knowing that you are a part of that team uh, where they respect you and they rely on you to be a professional, that in and of itself was... It was just an honor to be in that room that day um, and to be a cantina character like I said that was my first play set so it was just the strangest thing to have my, my own first playset be you know with Walrus Man and Hammerhead and Greedo and, and a Jawa and to play with that when I was five years old and be sitting in a cantina at the time I didn't I mean I still don't know what planet it is I haven't been following but I, I didn't know and for anything I could have. I thought that maybe we're on Tatooine so I was just like freaking out the fact that now I myself am one of my, my action figures you know I
0: will have to tell you my michael eisner story after the show
2: okay (laughs) I,
1: i don't
0: i don't want to tell it on show
1: Well, you were there. Lucas was there. (laughs) He seemed pleased with what he was seeing. Was he actually enjoying himself and like liking what he saw there?
2: Oh, you guys know Lucas. You guys know Lucas, man. I mean, that guy, he would beat you at poker in two seconds. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you have a different level of a mind. You have a different level of genius. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, God, I mean, you ever been on a date to where maybe you think it's going wrong, but I mean, the girl is totally into you. Uh, It's just people, they express themselves in different ways, but he has never been uh, somebody that has been extremely Animated, so you would never yeah. know, but the fact I think that he was there. Uh, it definitely was a very warm and welcoming day. To where it was John Favreau's birthday, I think it was posted on Instagram that day. Um, so it really was just a heartwarming day to where they were all together. Um, but you did not feel 110 million dollars. You really felt sort of a peaceful, uh, sort of a um, uh, uh, experience with with the whole uh, process. There was no stress. You didn't feel. You know, I've been on. I remember there was a show called True Detective. It was the second season, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a situation to where you know you could just. Just feel the tension of and the conflict between the writers, the producers, and what, how, what directions is going to the stars. And, you know, it's just kind of an overall feeling where you can feel the tense uh, uh, climate on set. Uh, this had none of that. It was just so peaceful uh, in every single way. And again, I think it was just partly because every, you know, there might've been half of the members that were just truly uh, joyous in terms of being uh, a part of this uh, amazing uh, franchise. So
0: I know I've said with Galaxy's Edge and we've talked about this, that um, on the show, when you walk through that transition period, you know, just like you do with Magic Kingdom or Disneyland, where you walk underneath the train station and you go from real world to Disneyland, Disney World or Disneyland, Magic Kingdom, whatever, uh, they have that same type of element. With Galaxy's Edge, both out there in California and here, where the main entrance, you have that transition where you literally lose sight and sound of the main park into Galaxy's Edge and you feel you are there. Was it like that on set as well, where, okay, you're walking from your trailer, you hit set and it's like, okay, I'm not on Earth anymore. I'm on this planet.
2: Uh, I wish I can tell you yes I would I would say this that I'm sure in Yuma I'm sure in um, Tunisia um, I'm sure that they had that element and that feeling Um, I'm sure in that Dagobah set in England they probably had that feeling because everything was completely immersed Um, you still do have a little bit of LED and you have a little bit of CGI uh, going on with the green screen slightly so it wasn't completely um, you know it didn't really completely take you away the other thing that made it very tense for me was being a Star Wars fan and getting this far and the concern because I was not one of the stars of uh, being cut out because with an action scene uh, I was overall I was content but there were a few shots that I you know that we filmed that didn't make it you know and that was what I was thinking during that time I have had shows in the past that have canceled or I've been cut out you know because you're not the center point of it so for a Star Wars fan that's what was going through my mind to where I couldn't completely bask in the joy of it um, due to the fear of not being completely completely seen, uh, or the fear of, you know, of not being in it, or be my character being established. So uh, that was what was going through my head at the time. But I will say that holding my blaster and remembering how many times I put an action figure in my, I put a a blaster in in my favorite action figures from Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi when I was a kid, trying to get it to look straight and posing them in my grandparents, uh, the corner room of my grandparents' uh, room, uh, bedroom there. Um, You know, that to me was wild, feeling that in my hand, that one day... This might be a blaster and an action figure for another child. So that was really special for me.
0: Did you take a favorite Star Wars memento with you on set that you wore underneath your or that you had on you underneath your costume? just to kind of bring that like
2: yeah. yeah, there was one day, they have a mashup. <laughs> there was one day where I had, the uh, where I didn't, I couldn't wear it to set, but I wore it to the makeup trailer. And it was where I had, it's Darth Vader holding up baby Luke uh, like the Lion King. <laughs> and he, oh. and there's a t-shirt of that. And I have this t-shirt. And I brought it to set one day when I was going into makeup. But when it came to set, they don't have any of that. I mean, the reason Star Wars is so special is because you don't see any, you know, coffee cup lying around or anything in that regard as far as sneakers. and and that thing so you're completely transformed uh, all the way down to your underwear more or less you know as far as the costume Um, no 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 uh, there was nothing I was able to bring on however walking to set um, there were two times I wore a Star Wars t shirts just for the joy of it okay (laughs) yeah uh gentlemen forget. i have a. I have a, a appointment with this this homeless woman there i, I just uh, i didn't know how much longer we have there the woman who is going to be doing the homeless thing there but uh just forgive me uh i i have a a, a few more questions there if that's okay uh if you guys
0: if you guys have any final questions we'll wrap it up with dominic yeah. so he could get get to this other appointment
1: yeah yeah let's get into that just a little bit after um a little outside of star wars but i did read you do a lot of work with different charities and stuff in la and around la and elsewhere
2: what's going on with some of that you know uh, I, i've been very grateful for my life and i think whether you're a spiritual person or you're not it, it's okay i think as we get older you know we lost a cousin to cancer last year and if i were to tell you you only have one more year or two more years not that i do uh, there's nothing wrong with me, but if I were to tell you that, well, how would you spend it? And the biggest thing to me, uh, the greatest value of each and every day is not money or fame, it's it's love. And whether that is with somebody special, somebody personal to you, or whether that's something to where you can pay that forward to someone else, to me, that is the most important thing that you can do with your time. You know, we all want to win an Academy Award out here. We all want to be, you know, maybe A-listers. or We want to drive a Mercedes or drive around in a limo or what have you. But at the end of the day, as you get older, after 40 years old, I, I feel like the young specific ideology is how much you can do for other people. So that's been more of my focus now. Of, you know, if you told me 10 years ago, I can't tell you, I mean, a lot of those IMDb credits, you see, it's because of the grind and the hustle day in and day out. But now, the older I get, you just never know when you're, let, you know, your time is up. And for me, it's it's to, it basically when we play golf, which I'm not very good at, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I leave a lot of divots, right? So I just feel like it with with life in terms of you want to put that divot back. And you, how, you know, do you want to make this world for, and this is not politics, this is just about being a human being. I saw a beautiful movie over the weekend and Tom Hanks did such an amazing job. He did a uh, Mr. Rogers story there. Yeah. But I couldn't say it any better uh, myself in terms of how can you affect people's lives in a positive way. You know, we all go through hardships and heartache. We've all had our heart broken in one way or another. I can't tell you how much rejection I go through over the last 20 years in so many ways. Enough to make your heart dark, you know, to where you're bitter and you, you want to, you know, just, just kind of, you know, be within yourself. And you know you hear about a lot of people going through sadness and depression. And for me, I feel like the best way to deal with that is to see how you can help others. And from helping others and loving others, it's amazing on how you start making yourself feel better. Um, LA Children's Hospital, um, the Los Angeles uh, um, LA Mission, which uh, deals with the homeless, the LA Downtown Women's Center, um, and then also a, a, a group called Shane's Inspiration, to where they build uh, playgrounds for handicapped children. And then the beautiful news now is with the 501st, the 501st Legion, they already have all of these charities and events set up within every town. So every convention I go to, I gave a, a, a specific note for my agents that I want to come in as early as possible and leave as late as possible so that if I can touch a child's life just for my little side character uh, to where I'm able to give back or to donate a few autographs for a cause. To me, that That's means awesome. so much to me at this state of my life. And again, it's sort of my appreciation back to John Favreau, Dave Filoni and Brian Seif of Legacy Effects for this small opportunity uh, to just tell them how grateful I am. I can't give them anything, but I can definitely pay it forward as, as sort of be a, almost a, uh, a a representation in a positive way to, uh, for the Star Wars community there.
0: Um, before we let you go, I, I also want to ask you about your challenge coins, which I think are gorgeous. And I want to get one myself. Uh, yes. Uh, so yeah. eventually, I will. Uh, I, I
2: have them. Up. Thank you so much. I have them up on eBay. They're only fifteen bucks. I mean, I think it's a it's a good. And I also i I include an autograph with that as well. Um, I am going to switch it over next year. The I have only about oh boy two hundred uh, the gold. I sold out of the silver and black. Just like that. The fans have been amazing. But next year, what I want to do is change this Mandalorian side over to a Bounty Hunter Guild side uh, because I also want to use that for charities and also for children that are sick in the hospitals to sort of make them my own honorary member of uh, the Bounty hunters Guild. Uh, just to be able to maybe put a smile on their face for a day So I'm going to switch that coin over as soon as I go through this batch And I want to change the coin uh, to a final color of dark blue Which was the color of my robe uh, for, for the Mandalorian there
0: And I, I know I'm going to be waiting now for that coin instead <laughs>
2: Okay, you got it Just, just, because, you know it has remind, more,
0: just because it has remind, more meaning it,
2: re- Okay, remind me, and that one's on the house I'll definitely send one out to you there
0: uh, I'll still send you the 15 bucks for it
2: oh, Thank you so this much This is going thank to a good cause I appreciate you. So,
0: well, uh, where can people find you online? real quick?
2: Sure, absolutely. Uh, Twitter, it's uh, Dominic P. Pace. Uh, Instagram is Dominic Pace 1. And then on Facebook, it's Dominic Pace. I I love the listeners. I I just got an email from somebody saying, hey, I'm just a a Star Wars fan. I said, just a Star Wars fan. I love being with you guys. I I love being with you ladies. These are the people. I I actually, I'll have actors add me and I don't want to add them. (laughs) You know, it's like, I don't want to. It's like, it's just too much (laughs) toxic energy in this town. I would rather be with the Star Wars fans and people that are passionate about entertainment. So please feel free to reach out all your listeners, and I, I don't even think it's odd that I'm messaging you and, 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 and saying hi to you if you, uh, if you give me a and a, a Q&A there.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, please, again, uh, I know you're going to go tell us who you're going to go visit with next uh, so we can let you go see
2: them. There's a young girl from Santa Clarita. Uh, They just had, unfortunately, a shooting up in that high school. Um, And she, for the last five years, has been involved in the homeless uh, uh, epidemic that we've had here in Los Angeles. There's 60,000 homeless on our streets. So she's been raising funds and I'm going to be, I have a whole gift package of uh, four different illustrations of my character along with a collector pin, coin, patch, and sticker. And I'm going to be giving that to her uh, for a silent auction for her cause there. So uh, heading up to do some good. And again, and that's i i carry myself not only uh with my family but also with all the star wars fans the 500 first and also the cast and crew uh to do good amongst the community i, I can't tell you how grateful i am
1: let's keep
0: star wars positive absolutely let's get rid of the negative uh, yes well thank you thank you again for coming on yeah thank you and uh we hope to have you on in the future
2: anytime gentlemen thank you so much and may the force be with you all right thank you bounty hunters we don't need that scum. Uh, I
0: don't know. Dominic was great. Um, if you want to call him scum, bounty hunter scum, that's one uh, I actually wouldn't mind having on my side, uh, especially with all the charitable causes he, he's involved with and just the love and the passion that he's got. I I don't know. How, yeah. I don't know how we go about helping start a campaign of make Gecko an action figure. <laughs> personally, I do want one. I'll, yeah. ta- I'll take a black series. I have no problem. I would love to get a black series of him. I, I'm wanting to get a black series of the Mandalorian himself and IG11. I mean, this is one. Uh, the, the, I wouldn't mind a black series of Cara Dune either. Gina Carano looked great in, in Chapter Four.
1: Oh
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a that was a great episode. Oh, that mm-hmm.
0: the ATST when that thing powered up and the eyes. The cockpit turned red, yeah. the, eye, the eye shield's red. Oh, man. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Creature of the night, bring it on. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, But you know, we were sorry to see Dominic have to leave early, but hey, he is off to a good cause to to go donate some stuff to a charity. Um, Again, go check out his his Facebook page where he's got the pictures of the the challenge coins. If he's got one that's going to have the Bounty Hunters Guild logo on the back... That's what I want. I still may pick up one just to have the collector piece with the Mandalorian logo on it, but the one that I'll keep in my wallet with my Captain Marvel and my Jedi Assembly challenge coins is the the Blue Gecko. Yeah. And, and I'm hoping to... With the way this is with with the way he's off and running with the charity and everything else, I'm hoping sooner than later the 501st and the Mandalorian Mercs turn around and make him on, an honorary member. Because if there's anyone who deserves it, it's him. Mm-hmm. So if there's any of you guys who who have a say in the 501st or in Mando Mercs, please. We put the nominee up. Y'all should make him an honorary member of, of both. There's no, there's no better man for it. There's no better representative for it. And, and I, I'm loving Dominic even more, and I'm loving Gecko even more. I want to see more Gecko now, and I and I hope we do see him in Kenobi as well. Yeah, yeah. That'd be- uh, I mean, we we honored any, because I came real close to asking, are we going to see you in any more episodes of, of this season? But I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it. I want it to be a surprise. Yes, we're going to see more. But then again, we don't know how many ep- more episodes we're going to see Carl Weathers in, so.
1: Yeah, that's what's interesting, is all, a lot of these characters that we've, uh, that we were introduced to in, before the show started, that they said, these are the characters of this show. We've only seen it one or two episodes each. Yeah. yeah. Doug was only in the first what, three? Who? Doug not Nick Dolty. Oh, Cole. Yeah. Cole, Cole was only Cole was only in two. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh. She's been in one. I believe she's um marked down for three total. Yeah, IG Eleven was so far a episode, but have so, Carla- marketing. We've not seen him yet at all. Who? Don Carlos Esposito. He plays yeah, he yeah, it- yeah,
0: yeah. Hey, there's still five more episodes or four more episodes. And I think it's funny how some some of these other sites like Screen Rant and a few others are going. Oh, Disney Plus has changed one of the dates because of Gall- because of Rise of Skywalker and with a potential tie-in. Uh, hello, did you not pay attention to when Disney Plus released the schedule to begin with? It was. Episode or Chapter 7 was automatically coming out on that Wednesday anyway, on the 18th. It was never coming out on the 20th. It was part of
3: the initial game plan,
0: partially because they didn't want to compete with Rise of Skywalker.
3: Yeah, but we didn't know that they were going to have a special something special for Rise of Skywalker. But we did, we did assume and speculate
0: that there could be, if there was going to be a tie-in to the movie, that was going to be the episode to do it. Because this now leads, I mean, by making that move and our speculation, that's when we said that most likely is the razor's crest. In, in the horde of ships. Yeah. So I mean, the more and more we see it on the on the show and seeing it at that particular angle, the more and more I'm believing that's it. So I don't know about you guys, but I, I I'm pretty sure some point of some sort it's there. And who's to say the child, which is what is being Baby Yoda is being called officially, that the child is not a tie into is going to gonna be in the movie as well. Something has to happen to the to him when he grows up. Nope. So, Mm -hmm. um, but as we're recording tonight, um, Walt Disney World, uh, I guess it'd be the WDW SWGE, Walt Disney World, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, if you want to narrow it down that way, um, did the, the dedication, big dedication ceremony of Rise of Resistance. So this was the big opening that is equivalent to when Galaxy's Edge opened in California. This is the one that's the big to-do for the ride, considering Disneyland doesn't open until January 17th. Um, So so officially open tonight, uh, dedicated tonight, and we'll officially see first guest numbers tomorrow morning, uh, December 5th. Now, according to... Um, Disney Imagineer John Larina uh, here are five um, he said it's it's a pretty big claim but based on what we've seen so far in a a chat with executive creative director uh, here are five reasons we can't wait to climb aboard Uh, one the magnitude is truly epic I don't know if y'all have seen any of the, the walkthrough videos. Um, I have not. You go from you go from a queue building to a pre show building. So you go from outside to inside for your queue line. Then you're given a brief synopsis of what's happening, which we see um, neem numb and a um, uh Mon, Calar- uh Mon Calari Mon Cal- Calarian, uh Calarian Um Yes, thank you. Uh named Lieutenant Beck. And you see a hologram of Ray and BB 8s right there helping everyone through. Then you see a shot of Poe Dameron, all played by the original actors. From there, uh, you're whisked off into your shuttle. So you go outside that building into essentially walk outside into your shuttle, into the bay to get onto your shuttle craft. And from there, uh, you're on your way to the resistance base when you're kidnapped or caught in the tractor beam in the middle of battle and transported onto a first order star destroyer. And then you spend the rest of the attraction trying to get off the ride. Uh, It looks amazing. Uh, The only thing I'm slightly disappointed about is they were originally talking that you were going to be able to fire back, you know, the whole um, interaction where you could shoot back at the Stormtroopers. Oh, yeah. There's none of that. That's the um, only thing that's disappointing me in this.
1: That's something they didn't have quite ready so it's added. Maybe.
0: Maybe. I hope they add it later. Hopefully they go back and revisit it because I'm sorry, I want to shoot troopers. When you're staring at a hangar bay of a, a stormtrooper sergeant and like 50 troops as you're looking out into deep space, I want to start shooting. And with some of the stuff I've seen, the TIE fighter is tr- that's on the side of the wall is truly not to scale. Because you walk right underneath it and you're like, uh, I'm a little bit taller than this cockpit. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that bugs me there. Um, but other than that, I mean, this thing is huge. Uh, the brief walkthrough of the attraction, you you enter a full size Star Destroyer hangar, which doesn't excuse the fact that the TIE fighter is not full size. Sorry. Um, and docked a, uh, complete with a docked TIE fighter. 50 stormtroopers and the sergeant. Um, It's one of those that engineering is as great as it is staging. So, you know, it's like go big, uh, which they did. Uh, Number two, don't expect the usual friendly faces when the first, where the first order is involved. And and I think this is great too. The cast members that are there are very much like what you would get at Tower of Terror or Haunted Mansion. They don't have to be nice. Mm. So for me, if I'm a a ride ops or an attractions person, I'm having Having a bad day, and i I'm. And I'm a sign you know and i am one of those standards that are that work in um in Galaxy's edge i'm having a bit bad day oh please dear lord put me in rise of resistance as a first order officer that way i could be grumpy all day and have the excuses to, to stay that way <laughs> i mean they're they're gonna let you have it so um you know th- they you get off and they're already barking come on move along move along you now they're they're gonna tell you don't it, and that, i think that's what's great they're not gonna hold back oh on. Move along. All right, all right, all right. Not even there. Um, number three, it's more than your standard dark ride, which I think this is great, too. Now, Disney's dark rides from Haunted Mansion to Pirates of the Caribbean are some of the more popular attractions. Of course, Haunted Mansion is my favorite at Magic Kingdom. Uh, but based on the description, it sounds like uh, Rise of Resistance is going to be raising the bar. They say, take this, think of this as Haunted Mansion plus or Pirates plus. Uh, most dark rides they have, they sometimes got the more more of a leisurely place. This one is fast action, being trackless. You never know exactly where it's going to take you.
3: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Um, number four. That's how many ride systems are featured, or. According to uh, the quote, is, it's actually four ride systems all working together to give you the seamless experience of getting captured and then breaking out and getting on those trackless vehicles that are first order transports. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, uh, even even though you don't actively fire back, I'm excited for this ride still. Yeah. Um, number five, this ride's got a few surprises in her, sweetheart. Uh, they don't. No one's spoiling how the ride ends. Even the ride up videos don't really spoil how it ends. You don't see the 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 um, the reveal at the end um you now everyone's saying it's enough to surprise you so i can't wait i really can't uh the video i, I will post it up on the website the video is supposed to be awesome Of the dedication where i just hope they didn't screw it i just hope the audio crew didn't screw up like they did with the Walt Disney World Galaxy's Edge when there was blaring feedback in the middle of that dedication Hollywood Studios Galaxy's Edge and that was embarrassing oh really yeah. Oh my god. I heard that. I'm like, oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, it's supposed to be like professionals and know what they're doing." Yeah. It's people who just couldn't handle something under pressure. And, and these events tend to be high-pressure things. So, uh there's a lot of pucker power as we say <laughs> on some of these shows. It's it's wild. You just got to go in going, "I don't care who's here. I got to do my job like I always do it." And I can't I can't cut corners. I can't, I got, if I need to write myself a checklist of, did I do this? Did I do that? Then you do it just to help counter the, the pucker power.
1: You mean you just be a professional? <laughs>
0: that too. But like I said, you know, with the when management and some of these other folks get involved and yeah. start to over, being a professional is, is hard. Some people just cower to it, um, especially if they're newer to the company and they're not accustomed to it. It happened to me a couple of times early in my career out there. I'll, if I was on that tonight, I'd be, there's no need to stress. You're doing it show and doesn't need to be any different for the execs than it does for the press that are out here watching this because they're normal guests and they're the ones you're doing it for not them yeah and it doesn't matter what they say. You need to do if it's not right. You know it's going to cause a problem. You stick with what you do right. You take the heat for it later. So I'd rather do that than have feedback all over the place and then get criticized for that. So, but uh, something that I hopefully doesn't get criticized because I'm actually excited for this. When I read about it, according to StarWars.com, all these stories are coming from StarWars.com tonight, um, straight from the horse's mouth because it's a great way to do it. Um, new shows coming to Disney Plus. Called oh, yeah. Star Wars Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge.
1: Yeah, you said this yeah, is going to be,
0: cool. you, you said you, you think this is going to have a feel similar to uh, Double Dare?
1: Well, what I read on it, it's a uh, it's a kids game show where the kids have to actually do things. Uh, there's uh, strength, knowledge, and I think, I forget what the third one is, different challenges the kids to have to do to actually prove um, how worthy they are to be Jedi. See,
0: I read this and I thought, Legends of the Hidden Temple.
1: Yeah, I've never seen that, so. You don't remember I'm any? the old Jedi. Generation where Double Dare was the kids' game show that was awesome to play and stuff. This was on during the same time period. Was? I don't know. I never saw that one. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I've
3: never watched it.
0: Yeah, you had your four different yeah, like four different teams compete to see who were gonna be the two teams uh to actually run through Temple Challenges. And there were there were quizzes and whatnot for it. Um but no, this is this is cool. Uh the show's gonna be hosted by Ahmed Best, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, most people cool. know him from Jar Jar Banks. And when I people were going, Oh, it was hosted by Jar Jar, God, I hope it's good. You know what? Shh, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> I, as much as I was not a Jar Jar fan and I thought the character himself was Kind of annoying. He redeemed him to me. He redeemed himself a lot more in the Clone Wars cartoon, Mm -hmm. and I respected the character more in the cartoon than how he was scripted for the movies. But Ahmed Best did a great job performing the character. I'm sorry, especially
1: Um, when at that point, digital characters were never were. No one knew what it was going to be. Exactly. He was performing with this um, two foot thing on top of his head the whole time and doing all the physical motions, hoping that what they're going to see on the screen is going to be awesome. Yeah, which
0: which the look of the character was awesome and it, it, it did not feel digital. I mean, it did a little bit, but not, not like it could have been. Yeah. Um, but uh so you now of course Star com says, you know, he's the perfect choice as the show's host, which which I agree. Um he, he will be joined by a hilarious humanoid droid companion voiced by Mary Holland. Hmm. Um according to Lucasfilm's senior director of online content and programming, Mickey Capo, Capo Ferry. uh, This is definitely a kids game show like no other. The various challenges will test a Padawan's connection to the Force in three locations. Force Planet, on board a Jedi Star Cruiser, and inside a Jedi Temple. Immersing them and the audience in a fun and humorous and exciting competition. Well, how easy would that be to do with the backgrounds? You heard Dominic get the LED walls? That'd be real easy to do the change up. Oh yeah. Mm. And and I kind of know the walls he's talking about because we're using them uh for the epcot uh exhibit at epcot showing the changes that are coming and it's a 360 round and you you don't see seams at all of how it's done it's like okay this is amazing there's a seam here somewhere for it to be 360 has to be we have yet to find any any sign of a seam it's 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 just brilliant and and how it can do the depth is really nice as well um so, uh, Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge brings together the best of Star Wars competitive, uh, competitive spirit, harrowing obstacles, and a hero's triumph over challenges, um, said Dan Sil. Dan Silver, vice president of originals and unscripted content for Disney Plus, a game show set in the Star Wars galaxy is a perfect fit for Disney Plus, which I think it is. And who's to say after yeah, who's to say after six months they don't throw it over on Disney XD or Disney Channel as a filler every now and then? Air it first here, then maybe throw one or two episodes as fill-in as needed over there, just to draw people back into Disney Plus. It's always a possibility.
1: It's happened in the past and it's going to happen soon because the DC Universe is doing that with uh, Stargirl. They're, this spring, when Stargirl comes out to the DC Universe, it'll be on DC Universe, then the next day on the CW. Oh, oh on really? The C- on the CW app? No, the actual CW broadcast.
0: Really?
1: Yeah. She's also supposed to make an appearance in Crisis <laughs> on Infinite Earths. Oh, when, uh, does,
0: when does Crisis start? I'm, I'm sorry for taking this.
3: This
1: weekend.
0: It's this weekend. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Very cool to know. Uh, and then final news story, which I, I'm excited for. I'm sad, but I'm sorry. Um, Doctor Afra says goodbye in Doctor Afra Number Forty, which we've talked about. Um, also, two ending is uh, Target Vader Number Six, um, which we knew that was a six issue mini. Um, but we we see Afra and Target Vader um, bidding farewell, uh, at least for now. Um, and Doctor Afra Number Forty. Simon Spurrier and Kaspar Wingard, uh, the final issue ahead of the series relaunch coming in April. Uh, so, this is those two are the creative team on this final issue. And this is what I love. I love this phrase ahead of the series relaunch coming in April. Uh, and the little caveat is Afra informs Lord Vader that she's learned the location of the secret rebel base. Oh, oh. Then in Target Vader number six, hold on, what? No, oh, dun dun, dun. Ah, um, Written by Robbie Thompson and art from Stefano Landini, Roberto Delsavo, and George Duarte, uh, Cyborg Bell Art Valance returns to a hidden outpost in the Outer Rim for one last hurrah. It's your first, first look at both issues on sale next Wednesday. So we know that these are going to be two of my picks on Mighty Marvel Geeks for this week. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. At least afro will be, provided someone doesn't
3: beat me to the other one. Unless Kylan and Eric decide to play a joke on you and pick them first. <laughs> no, that's true, too. <laughs> oh,
0: oh.
1: never yeah. that.
0: <laughs> I, I'm looking at the, uh, the title sheet or the title page that they have posted, and uh, our good friend, Joe Caramania is the letter on this episode.
3: Nice.
0: I'm going to have to see if he can send the book get me a copy, or I'm going to obviously be buying my own copy. I'm going to see if he has a spare copy that he can send around and get autographed by everyone on, involved on the team. Nice. Actually, maybe get two, and we can use one as a giveaway.
3: Mm. We, um I recently did my monthly comics cast on it for New England Society of Geeks. And we reviewed a few comic books and there was there was his, his name kept coming up quite a bit. Well he he's writing Frozen, he's writing
0: DuckTales. He's one of the writers on DuckTales and I know he's doing Frozen. Um but he's he's back to doing quite a bit of lettering again from Marvel as well.
3: Yeah.
0: Um but yeah, apparently he's also involved on Target Vader as well. But I don't know. There's something about the issue forty of this run, um, that I think I want everyone to see if he could get everyone's autograph on it. I think that would be awesome. See if we can get three copies, one for my – or two copies, have one for a giveaway. That'd be a nice piece to give away. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, so that's going to almost bring us to a close. you guys have any final thoughts? I know I, I've been talking a lot <laughs> outside of Dominic.
1: <laughs> well, I've heard um, on other podcasts and stuff wondering, and um, just get your general opinion on this, why do you think um, – because we've seen the um, merchandise fiasco that's going on with the Mandalorian. Why do you think that it's taking so long to actually get any real merch out? Is it because they wanted to, um, is it just because they wanted to keep the secret of Baby Yoda? Could it possibly be that they were not sure the impact of Baby Yoda? That they thought there's a chance they could have a Jar Jar Banks on their hands? What do you think? No,
3: I, I think it was just because they were trying to hide, keep the secret. Of baby, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I yeah. think I think it's keeping the secret. It's just like this is one of those that if the, if it had got out early, um, if the news had got out early, they could have actually ended up with a problem like that. If you don't see it in context, maybe. all you can see right. is baby Yoda.
3: Yeah, yeah, possibly. But look at look at how popular baby Groot was. Yeah. So, of course, Baby Yoda, who's even cuter.
1: Well, the cool thing is with the Mandalorian, something that I saw in a meme that actually uh, I thought was awesome, I hadn't even thought about, I have not seen people, anybody screaming and yelling about this show. This is like the one thing out of nowhere that actually seems to somewhat united Star Wars fandom. In general, uh, Star Wars I know. Love
0: the show. Star Wars fans are enjoying the show. But I, I have seen some negatives, negative reviews and comments about independent episodes. Yeah. And I think it's one of those. It, it's media interf- trying to interfere and, yeah. and make something of it. That's not that's truly not there. Because they're not like one I saw is, oh, they're they're criticizing the fact that there's not enough female touch to the because, you know, we only have Cara Dune or like, oh, hello. It was directed by Bryce Dallas Harper or Howard. Yeah. Who also directed another one prior to and, you know, give it time or you're still building. And if you're going to do that, then let's go back and criticize some of these other shows that you may like that. There's a very that has even a lower women presence on or involvement with.
1: But like I said, the Star Wars fans uh, be all over this. That for some reason exactly. we're not screaming and yelling and hollering uh, at each. Yeah. Actually exactly. doing wars has always been great about sitting around talking about it. It's we, how n- long yeah. Do you actually sound one day and just talk to star Wars fans about something like this?
0: It's not about the films and it's not about the show. Star Wars is not about the films and the shows. Um, and I say this cause I just, while well, I was at uh, I took my daughter to dance class tonight. Uh, like I do every Wednesday. And, um, and usually I have my iPad and I watch a movie while well, I was wrapping up from two weeks ago that I started last time we were, I was at dance class with her. I was wrapping up family boys which is a great film it's not about it's not about the the movies it's about the journey Mm -hmm. and where is this journey taking you are you enjoying the journey that star wars is taking you so far even with your feelings on the last jedi even with your feelings possibly on the force awakens have you enjoyed the journey as much as I did love the last Jedi? And I, I say it could be the most critical I'm looking forward. I was excited for the Mandalorian and I'm still, I, I'm glad they didn't release it all at once. Yeah. I'm excited for rise of Skywalker no matter what, because, but I'm also sad because this part of the journey is ending, but I'm excited to see what's going to be coming afterwards. Knowing well, that think, we're going on new journeys. Yeah. That That's what I love about all this. That's what I love about the Roman myths and the Greek myths and the Norse myths is it's the journeys they take you on, well, that's not, not of, the story itself.
1: Well, that's the genius, I think, of them releasing this weekly. If they, The impact is going to be so much, so much larger now because if they had done this as a binge watch. People will be talking about it for the next week, maybe two weeks afterwards, and then move mm, on to something gone. else. Yeah. It's right. done. It's gone. Talking about it for eight or nine weeks of your life, you're talking about this. Yeah. That's going to be with you for a lot longer, because you're going to have a lot more conversations about it. Every You're going to dissect each episode all the way down to the minutiae before you move on to the next one. It's not just watch through it and then talk about two or three things that happen, and that's it. Yeah. That's the problem with the newer binge-type shows. Then they put them out all at once. Yeah.
3: Yeah. In fact, my wife and I were talking about it earlier. She has not watched The Mandalorian yet. I don't know if she ever intends to, but she's a casual fan. Anyway, so we saw a commercial for... I'm right there with my wife. She's a casual fan.
0: My daughter is right there in between us, so...
3: Yeah. So, anyway, we were watching... We saw a commercial for The Mandalorian today. Because at one point, she was... I was watching something, something came up about Baby Yoda a a while ago, and she said, Oh, is that the Baby Yoda that's been all over my Facebook lately? And I was like, Yep. But anyway, today she goes, We were watching, we saw a commercial for The Mandalorian, and she goes, She goes to me, Now, I know I've, I know I've asked you this before, but tell me again. How how long is this after the Star Wars? <laughs> and I turned to her and I went, "The Star Wars," <laughs> and we both just started laughing.
0: Well, you know that was originally the original name of the script was "The Star Wars." Yeah. Yep. So she's partially right.
3: <laughs> it's, just, it's just a funny moment.
0: Oh yeah. Well, um, you know, I hate to say it, but we gotta wrap it up. Uh, any other quick final thoughts? Nope. Well, uh, I'm just going to say we got two more episodes officially for this year. Maybe one more between Christmas and New Year's. Because I know it's probably going to be Christmas or New Year's before I get to see the movie. Or it'll be Mm -hmm. around Christmas before I get to see the movie. uh, Because I'm working opening weekend. Um, Maybe sometime that week we may record a special episode of our review of the film. Which precursor it's going to be spoilers sorry and it'll be notated as a spoiler episode so you can listen to it at your own accord but uh officially we have two more episodes left of this sh- this year wow so mm. um so yeah um, so from derek ken and myself mike we wish everyone a good day good night good moment depending on when you're listening to this and until next time
1: give the evacuation code signal
0: Cut the chatter. Jake, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm
1: alright. Right! Ah! I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've
2: lost R2. He's no good to me dead.